What's going on, everybody? Pat's Interference, Year 2, Episode 17. 17 episodes in, and we're still going strong. My name is Patrick Norwood. He's Patrick Brimman. Got a lot to talk about this week. Alabama throttles Texas A&M 33-14. What's going to stop this Alabama team? If anything, Patrick and I will talk about that. We'll also talk about the play of Jalen Hurts. Getting into the national stage as well, going to do another combined episode for you just because Alabama's on a bye this week, and hey, we feel like it. Colorado plays Stanford. Purdue didn't really do too hot against Nebraska, but we're going to talk about it, then we'll talk about next week on the national stage. Lots of games, the cocktail party, we got Nebraska, Wisconsin, we got Auburn at Ole Miss, Clemson at FSU, a lot of unbeatens, uh, still looking to remain that way, but we'll see how that goes. This is Pat's Interference. Well, hey there, everybody. You're listening to another episode of Pat's Interference. It should be a great one. This is about the latest or earliest, if you want to count that, that we've ever recorded. I'm sitting here at 2.38 Central Time in the morning. And, of course, my buddy Patrick Norwood is an hour ahead in his Eastern time zone. How you doing, buddy? Tired. Good. Good. <laughs> I, I laid down on the couch to take a nap. That was about two hours ago. Had an alarm set. Didn't go off. Did not go off, so that's fun. That's really fun. Uh, but we, we've got another Double Up episode that we're doing for you. Um, Dubs. Back to normal next week, but guess what? This is our podcast. This is what we want to do this week. So, Patrick. Well, Bama's on a bye. You know, Alabama's on a bye. Um, sure. There's, there's, you know, it, it, there weren't so many crazy games last week, so we just kind of combined them instead of making it into two. Break, I say um, we just jump right into it, man. Yeah, all right, so let's talk Alabama A&M. Alabama winning 33-14 over A&M on uh, uh, a, a good showing. It, it, not great, it, I, I believe. Yes. But I, I, give me your first impressions. I, I'm going good, not great. Here's the thing. Every year before the bye week, Alabama plays terrible. No matter who they play. I don't remember the last time I sat down and watched an Alabama game before the bye week and right after the LSU game. Those are the two games that I feel like Alabama always struggles. Uh, and if this is Alabama struggling, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. You know, it's it's just I feel like the offense stalled. Getting in the red zone that many times and having that lack of points is just four times painful. in the first half and only 13 points to show. Painful, and I think a lot of that was play calling too, which we're going to get into a little bit later. But uh, Jalen Hurts, 15 for 25, 164 yards, two TDs. Also through two picks, which we're not used to, Patrick. What do you think was behind those two interceptions? Uh, okay. Um, one of his th- – I can't remember if it was the first or the second one, but that was probably – and, you know, the the announcers harped on it. That was probably his worst throw of the season. I think we'd set up a screen. He threw it – he didn't read the – it wasn't a screen, but it was a short pass. He just didn't read the coverage very well. Right. He threw it right into the arms of a A&M defender. Um, I think – I'm going to be honest, and this is this actually doesn't. I'm not even counting the interceptions. I think as far as passing the ball, this was his worst game. As far as accuracy, accuracy is concerned and rhythm, um, I don't ever remember him hitting a rhythm. Now he was 15 of 25, and that's above a 60% completion percentage, and that's fine. But um, he never really had command of the passing game. Luckily, the running game was going well, and he did well in that regard too. But this is where. I think I texted you. I'm putting out the Amber Alert. Like, we've got to see Hertz's accuracy and passing improve. 
I, I don't want to keep making an excuse every week and saying it's going to improve. Just wait till he gets there. I want to start seeing that come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, I, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. I think that Texas A&M's defense was probably pretty underrated. I know you and I didn't talk about it very much last week, and I know that most of the nation didn't talk about it last week. Um, and I feel like they're pretty underrated. Uh, it, it kind of felt like the entire week everyone was talking about Miles Garrett and company. It wasn't about the defensive backs. It wasn't about the, you know, the rest of the line or the rest of the front seven, um, which is a huge part of that defense. And I feel like Jalen Hurts maybe have gotten a little bit overwhelmed uh, last week, which does not spell good for the LSU game. Um, yeah, the, the, we, we still haven't played the two best defenses on our schedule. Who is the other one? You know I'm going to say it's Auburn. Auburn's defense is pretty good. Anyway, uh. Yeah, I but I'm I'm not I'm not ready to say it's an amber alert, um, because I also know it's the game before the break. He is a true freshman that really hasn't had too many mistakes. This is his first game where he's looked like a true freshman. So I'm not willing to put out the amber alert yet. After another game like this, I will be, because I'm not sure we survive another game like this unless we play it against Tennessee or uh, Tennessee Chattanooga or Mississippi State. LSU secondary is so good. And you know they're going to load the box and force Hurts to beat them in, through the air, um, which we'll obviously next week, or yeah, next week talk a little bit more about. But um, well, the thing with that is that's what we said last year against LSU as well. And then Derrick Henry ran for what 150 yards. I think he had two something in the LSU game. My point exactly. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, so I. I don't know, but I agree with you. It was it was a poor performance, and it's something that I feel like for the rest of the, for at least two games and the rest of our season we can't have it. I kind of feel like at this point of the season last year is about when Coker started to come into his own with his arm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, he, he you know because we didn't like Coker's arm at the beginning of the season either. We complained about it a lot um, more so than we have with Hertz this year. But he kind of started to come into his own a little bit over the halfway point. A and M he had a fairly good game, and of course he had Harris. To, uh, sorry, Henry to lean on, but um, who scored his first touchdown uh, in the NFL, by the way, today? Anyway. Saw that. Uh, yeah, against the Jags in those ugly those uniforms. Awful um, uniforms. So, but awful. Rushing, rushing the ball, of course, we had another good game, 287 total yards. Uh, Harris had 128 of those. 91 came from Hertz. Yep. And then Scarborough, Jacobs combined for 33, and there were some other guys getting yards, but... 287, I'll take it. Yeah, 280, 287's great. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like we kind of – I don't understand the red zone play calling. Um, yeah, you you look at the numbers through the game, and we had 57 rushes to 25 passes, but when, I, I'd like to look at the red zone numbers. It, fe- it felt like every time we get in the red zone, we'd, we'd try to force – Well, it's like we said. I mean, I mean, four red zone – wasn't it four red zone trip with 13 points? That's mm-hmm. unacceptable. I don't care if you're at the I, 10. I don't care if you're at the 4. Like, I, I get that there's two different playbooks for those situations, and it's not that I'm not okay with passing the ball. I'm not okay with passing the ball after your running backs just got 8 yards of carry on the drive. That doesn't make sense to me. That's not smart play calling. No, it definitely was not smart play calling, especially the red zone. Um, 
outside the red zone play calling, I can't really complain about it and see too much that I hated. It, the, the story this week was just once he got inside the 20, we weren't finishing drives. Of course, Adam Griffith missed another kick. Right. Right. And it was about this time last year that we started seeing a turn on Adam Griffith, too. But we don't. We shouldn't need two turns two seasons in a row with Adam Griffith. I don't know what to think of that guy. I'm still with him, but it's like when you know. It feels like when he's getting ready to kick a field goal that's going to take us into halftime. You just kind of know. I just. Like, eh. I remember two guys on a podcast that said that after the onside kick, he was kind of he kind of got a hall pass for life. <laughs> we did say that, didn't we? We did, and I, I'm still standing by because it's one of the greatest onside kicks I've ever seen, and it kind of won us that national championship he did he did i mean i'll give you that but oh boy it's just got some big games coming up it's not it's not fun watching guys miss 30 yard field goal but i i still believe in and and honestly we shouldn't have to depend on his leg once we get in the red zone that makes no sense to me if you get in the red zone you should score a touchdown um we can talk about uh, Let's let's go ahead and get into the defense. There's a conversation in here that's gonna break my heart, so let's let's get to it. And uh, yeah, two hundred. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the happy parts first, then. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Well, you just mentioned two seventy eight, one sixty four passing, one fourteen rushing. Um, not a bad day at the ball field for there. Five sacks, two turnovers, another touchdown. You know, I I looked the other day, and you you and I were texting yesterday. Um, they did a mock draft where they had Reuben Foster ranked above Tim Williams in a in a mock draft. Both of them going in the first round, but Reuben Foster ahead of Tim Williams. And I'm I 100 percent okay I, with that. I said I said no way. I said absolutely no way. Um, and I'll stand by that. I, I still think that Tim Williams is more NFL ready. I think that Tim Williams is going to be more productive in the NFL. Um, I think that Reuben Foster hits hard. I'm not sure he's got the stamina to stay in every down like an NFL team will need him to. Does that make sense? We we have a Reuben Foster discussion getting down once we just kind of have some stuff to talk about for the bye week. But, yeah, I've, I've got a whole spiel on Reuben Foster. I went back and watched a bunch of games the other night because I was just kind of bored and just I have him on my DVR. Um, let's talk about the play of Jonathan Allen. You know, he's really just been slacking lately out there on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, he's disappeared completely. I'm just kidding. No, he was amazing. He's fifth in the Heisman voting right now. Which is and astounding to me. He had what has probably been the, the, the most talked about sack in a very long time, regardless of team. Uh, maybe the most talked about hit since Jadavian Clowney uh, against Michigan. Yeah. Um, yeah, this diving, the Superman sack as they've called the it. The super. I, I texted. I think I texted you, and I I texted the. Uh, no, I didn't. I can't remember who I sent. Oh, I sent it to one of my good friends from. Uh, I sent it to Parker. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, Pat's interference alum. Yeah. The uh, 1999 ping pong world champion Parker Rhodes. Um, I sent him the gif of uh, the Iron Giant saying Superman, and then flying off into space. <laughs> Um, it looked fantastic. I actually uh, screamed an expletive and started jumping around my apartment like an idiot because I was really excited about it. Um, Quick sidebar: Do you remember? Do you remember the fierceness that Parker showed uh, beating China in the 2000 Summer Olympics in ping pong? It will genuinely bring a tear to your eye. Um, you, if you don't, if you don't know about it, you got to read about it. There's right. not much footage that still exists, but man, it's it's incredible. He's got red hair, and they called him the Red Ember. 
Uh, it was it was it was beautiful. It was it was truly beautiful. Uh, but no, I think that Jonathan Allen. I'm not sure if he deserves a Heisman vote. I feel like that's a little much. He's got two touchdowns. He got a bunch of sacks, and he's been about as impactful as any defensive. I think he deserves it a little bit more than uh, an overrated Jabril Peppers. Ooh, throwing fire. I just, I don't know. Like, I looked at his numbers, and I see all the hype he's getting, and I just think it's that somebody wants to force a Michigan guy in there. I mean, he's got, what, two touchdowns on the year? He's okay. I mean, it's not, like, returning touchdowns like I thought he, like I assumed he had been. And, you know, he's okay, but I don't think he's Heisman worthy. I don't think any defensive player this year so far. I think it's a pretty one-sided, maybe two-sided Heisman race right now. For Jabril Peppers, I don't think it's a a defensive effort. I think it's an all-around effort. He's returning kicks, he's throwing touchdowns, he's receiving touchdowns, he's causing turnovers on defense. Uh, I think he deserves to be in. I think he deserves to be in the conversation. However, uh, do I think that'll be the case when it comes time? I don't know. I don't know. I've got to see the way he plays against Ohio State. The the luster and the shine from this game... Uh, was very quickly taken away after the game when we learned uh, during Nick Saban's press conference that Eddie Jackson had broken his leg and is out for the season. Uh, I texted you and told you, and I, I still truly believe this, an injury has not made me more sick to my stomach since Tyrone Prothrow than Eddie Jackson breaking his leg this weekend. On just a, on just a, a not very, just not a cheap tackle, but just a, not a very good form tackle, but that's that's the game, you know. Um, that's the way that's the way football works. Every, every year, Alabama and every team essentially has a, a, an impact player go down, and the good teams can can recover from it. So, how do you think that Alabama uh, is going to be able to recover from losing what uh, last week we called the quarterback of our defense? I'm not sure that you can. I I'm not sure that we're going to see the same Alabama defense. I, I just I think it loses something, and I really I don't. Ma- what changes? What changes with him gone? Like like that you will be able to see on the field. A sense of calmness. A, I That's I remember twice this year when Alabama's defense was looking towards the sideline, not knowing what they were doing. And I think that Eddie Jackson was a bigger part of that than people realize. I will say this: I talked to my father, who's been an Alabama fan since 1962. He talked to all of his friends who have been Alabama fans for the same amount of time, if not longer, and I asked him to because I wanted to know something that I'm going to feed to you. This is a question I'm feeding to you. Yeah. We have a wealth, you and I both have a wealth of Alabama knowledge. I know that I've been a fan for a tad bit longer than you have. Patrick, I can't think of a more vital defensive injury that means that much that is this extensive for an Alabama defense ever. Hold on. I honestly, Hold on. Yeah. Think about that. Think about all the time that I just mentioned, and Eddie Jackson going down is the biggest one I can think of. Yeah, this is the this is the mid two thousand Steelers losing Troy Polamalu. I mean, this is that kind of big. Right. Right. For for our defense. Now, luck, I, I hate to try to put a silver lining on anything of this caliber, but if I had to pick a season, if I had to go, okay, well, I'm going to look at I'm going to look at a year and and have to pick a guy, pick a year. I think that our defense, the depth that we have just all around 
I'm not. I'm with you. It's going to hurt the defense, and there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be huge growing pains, and we might not ever get through the growing pains. We might just have to try to survive in advance, as far as that's concerned, uh, till next season. Right. So, but luckily we do have depth. Um, I would I would pick out Eddie Jackson as the one player on the defense I wouldn't want to lose because we've got linebacker depth through Reuben Foster. We've got a ton of defensive lineman depth. Jared Allen, sorry, not Jared Allen, Jonathan Allen. Um, Jackson's tough. Now, what from what we're seeing this week, as far as things are going to have to, Hootie obviously Hootie Jones is going to have to step up. Um, Hootie Jones is going to step up, and I think you got to. Tony Brown's going to play there. I think you got to look so. at not just the guy that's directly replacing that position. I think you get you got to think about the guys that have got to step up, uh, who have been playing every day. You know, uh, I think Ronnie Harrison is a big, big player in this. I think Marlon Humphrey is a big, big player in this. I think Minka Fitzpatrick is a huge player in this. Um, you know, the answers I got back on that question range from, you know, Leroy Jordan never missed a play. Uh, Dante Hightower getting injured was big. He's a freshman, though. He was a freshman, and there were a ton of linebackers behind him. And they had Rolanda, Rolanda McClain was on the That's team. what I mean. Uh, you know, uh, I remember they they brought up uh, my dad and uh, his friends brought up Mark Barron getting hurt in 2010 against Cam Newton. That was one game, and the season was pretty much over. The at that season point. was over as far as national championships. Concerned. Exactly. Um, another guy came back, responded. Michael Rogers missed the Sugar Bowl against the Miami Hurricanes in 1992. Alabama thwomped Miami in that game. Another guy came back. Wow, great question. Not really one I can think of, and certainly not to this magnitude. This is huge. This is huge, and I, I think we're going to have to see... No, this is going to be a story every week. We're, we're going to have to see a lot of those guys uh, step up, and I'm not sure that anybody can to Eddie Jackson's potential. Plus, you got to look at the kick return side of the ball, too. I hate that. He's been dominant back there, man. Good decision-making, dynamic every time he decides to return it. Um... You always hold your breath when he's got the ball in his hands. The one thing that I'm excited to see is the is the experimentation that they've been doing at practice of Minka Fitzpatrick at the safety. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Eddie Jackson, but I think we'll learn a lot about the versatility of him and Tony Brown. Right. And these two guys, these two dudes are players. I mean, we got players all over the defense. And it reminds me of I do, like I do trust our defense to step up. It, I'm, I I hate to say it, like I I feel like we're talking in a way that we're saying they're not going to. We both know they're going to step up. I just, it's just not going to be easy at all, and it's not going to be a breeze like it was with Eddie Jackson back there. I hope it's not going to come natural. Now. I hope what happens is it's like in a play when your lead role goes down or loses his voice the night before your opening play, and a guy, maybe not the understudy, but another guy in the play says, "Oh yeah, I know all his lines," just because I keep hearing him. I hope it's that way. I think that's best-case scenario for Alabama. Um, and I hope that's Minka Fitzpatrick. And if not, Tony Brown or Hootie Jones has to step up. They have to. Tony Brown's got to grow up. The um, the question here is, because, you know, we're undefeated. We both know our team's expectation. Um, does, is this the kind of thing that could cost Alabama a game? And what game could it cost us in? LSU. LSU, I, I said at the beginning of the season, I said Alabama would have one to two losses and one of them would be LSU. 
Um, I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Danny Etling has been lighting things up. And, oh, yeah, that Leonard Fournette guy averaged 17 yards a carry last week. He was he was awesome last week, but he was doing that last year when he came into uh, into Bryant Denny as well. Um, right. Uh, I don't know that this costs us a game, but you know my expectation is that we go undefeated and go all the way. I think that we look back at at least one or two touchdowns within the next two or three weeks and say that wouldn't have happened if Eddie Jackson were back there. I'm scared of facing. LSU's not a throwing team. Auburn's not a throwing team. Um, uh, none of the te- on a regular se- season schedule, even essentially through the SEC championship, be it Florida or Tennessee, none of those are throwing teams. I'm afraid of facing, not afraid, but more weary now of facing an, a, either a Deshaun Watson again, a Jake Browning, um, a JT Barrett if Ohio State finds a way to rally back in, something like that. We're, there's, there will, we will face one or two dynamic quarterbacks in the playoff if we make it there. Without Eddie Jackson, we'll have to see what happens. There's there's just so much football between here and there. I, know. I think if it gets to that point and Alabama's still undefeated, I don't think we have anything to worry about. Um, you know, we, we talked about the gauntlet. It's over. Alabama went 3-0, and and honestly, the quote-unquote worst game they played – I think you and I can both agree that was Texas A&M. As a team, yeah. I mean, the, the the defensive backfield played pretty not so great against Arkansas, but we say that um, they still had two touchdowns. That's true. That is that is true. Uh, all right, so essentially we're going into a bye week, and next week will be our LSU discussion. We don't want to spend two weeks talking on LSU, so I came up with some burning questions just some things to discuss some discussion questions we can spend a little time on them a lot of time on them but I put them down and tried to make a couple of them a little bit f- kind of fun um I guess the question we just sort of talked about it but does as we sit here right now this is mostly a yes or no answer does this team what have what it takes to go undefeated 15 and 0 first ever national championship to go 15 and 0 I don't know you you asked me last week I say yes after last week, I don't know. Um, I think that they're good. I think that they've got a head full of steam, and I think that's great news. Um, I think losing Eddie Jackson, like I said, is going to hurt a lot more than people realize. And I genuinely don't know if they go undefeated. Jalen, It's so hard to go undefeated. It's so hard to go undefeated. Jalen Hurts has to pick it up. What? I don't think Hertz has shown me that he's going to cost us a game. Um, you know, it, like in a large part. I mean, he could throw an interception to end the game, but you know what I mean. He's playing, not going to cost us playing, a game by playing bad an entire game. Right. Playing at night in Baton Rouge your, for your first time ever. Keep in mind, he's a true freshman. It's not like he walked with the team out of the tunnel last year. No. Again, one of my favorite stories, there is a Tiger a live tiger that won't be this year because rest in peace Mike but it's a whole different ball game and I think they I think they absolutely do have what it takes the answer is the question is a yes or no I, I, I think that this team if anybody has what it takes in the country it's Alabama this year sure um, sure with with the addition if you look at it maybe Washington and maybe Michigan but I think Alabama's just head and shoulders at their best 
like we've seen pretty much the last nine seasons. If everyone's when playing, Alabama's their, playing their best football, yeah, exactly. Nobody touches us, even back in 2010. It's, I mean, Kevin Sunland said it last week after we beat them. Excuse me, Sunland. The only team that's going to beat Alabama this year is Alabama. It's so tough when that's when that's the case when that's that's your team like that we're the team that if the only thing we can ever do is be disappointed in our team if we lose because right it's not like we're gonna be you know um uh, let me think of a team like a like a why is this so hard like a Mississippi State and give it our best game and lose by ten points and go well we played a heck of a game moral we'll victories are for Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, so who are the some of the unsung heroes on the team to this point of the year? Some of the guys we haven't ta- spoken too much about. The entire offensive line. That's a good answer. I was going to say specifically Jonah Williams, but that's a good answer. I, I just that, you look at that offensive line; they had such big shoes to fill, literally, like like physically and mentally, and just stepping up with play on the field. They had huge shoes to fill, and they succeeded. They succeeded. Maybe they're not opening these giant gaping holes for running backs to run through like they did in 2009, but I'm trying to think of a time when Jalen Hurts went down and I said, oh, guys, come on. You know? And I, I'm kind of coming up empty. And that's really... Since week three, you mean? I, that's really rare to see. And, yeah, you can you can point out the Ole Miss game, but look at that Ole Miss defensive line. I mean, they've got, what, three or four first-rounders on that defensive line? They've improved. No, I'm with you. They've improved every week because week one, you know, week one, the first half, they were bad. It was bad. And, like, it's like if that was their zero, every week they've improved. Every yes. single week they've gotten better. They've not regressed even one game. And they've, been asked, they they've the been asked to change themselves, too. It's true. You're telling me that there's not a – Drop off or a change in pace from Jacob Coker to Jalen Hurts. Jumping Jake Coker, absolutely. Jumping Jake Coker, good <laughs> lord. Which players need to step up more in the second half of the season, Brick? I do want to mention one more unsung from the defense. Sure, go ahead. Pick one. I want to go Deron Payne. He's gonna. He's like Ashawn Robinson and like a like a Vince Wilfork in the way where he's not gonna rack up a lot of stats, but what he does in the middle of the defense, you don't move him. He's a boulder. And I like that boulder. That is a nice boulder. That is a nice boulder. Um, <laughs> and you don't move them. And, like, you can't – if you can't move the middle, all you can do is run off tackle. Yeah. When we're running off tackle, we've got Ryan Anderson and, 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 uh, and, and you know, Reuben Foster running at you. Yeah. If you can't move a guy, there's, you're never going to open a hole in the middle. No, you, you're not. Essentially, your center's doing nothing. You're not. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, which players do you think need to step up more in the second half? Marlon Humphrey. Um, he's been good, but I think I think he needs to go from good to great. Uh, he's he has been beaten on a lot of on a lot of uh, quick routes, on a lot of slants, a lot of comebacks. See, I'm not. Um, I, I'm. I, I don't know if I'm just lazier than you are, or if I'm just if I'm thinking things of a more broad scale. I think the entire defensive backfield's got to step up now. Has to. You can't mail it in. You can't. There's not a single play you can take off. Plus, we'll never stop. We'll never let you live it down. If Danny Etling, Sean White, um, uh, uh, who's it? Who's, uh, Luke Del Rio, Josh Dobbs. If any of those guys end up torching you, we'll never let you live it no, down. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, how happy are you with this season so far? Um, quite, 
I, I'm quite happy with this. I season can't. So I can't imagine Actually, that I, anyone could be upset with this season. No, we've been we've been number one wire to wire. Uh, we've we're still on pace to break the all-time SEC single-season points record. Um, we 33 points was the least we've scored in a game this year. You talk about offense. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about defense. Alabama's only giving up 70 yards a game. Total. Total. YPG against Alabama. 70.8. You sure that's rushing? I don't know what you're looking maybe, at. Maybe it may be rushing. It may be rushing. I think you. But either way, okay, double that then. How about that? 140 yards. You're making it down the field not even twice. No, our our defense I think is has played at this point of the year better than they did last year and they're they're really pushing to potentially be up there with 2011. They're they're closing the gap there, but I'm not going to let them pass them yet. Uh, yeah, I, I I think we're on the same page with that. Although they're they're coming damn close. Well, twenty eleven played some very good teams that that we've played some good teams too. Actually, well, if we um, I was we have the chance to have had wins over seven top twenty five teams this year. I think is what I heard. That's not bad either. Uh, but yeah, very happy with the season. Uh, very few complaints from a from a very broad thing to say. I mean, a little nitpicks here and there from game to game. But Excuse me, rushing, rushing defense was what I was looking at. Seven, 70.1. Um, which is unheard of. I'm sorry, 70 yards on the ground, Brick. That's, that's, that's quite good. That is quite good. And yet we still talk about the defensive backfield. I do think the most overrated stat to talk about is um, total pass yards per game given up. I think that is a very misleading stat to look at from a defense because if you're shutting down a rushing game, yeah, they're going to throw it 45 times on you. You know? I think the, the best thing you can look that's at is still, points per that's game given still up, a, and we're still not giving up any. That's still we're barely, a defensive we're not statistic, though. Even if they are, okay, well, we forced them to go to the air. Yeah, that's part of football. Or rush defense is so good that they've got to throw it 45 times a game? That's huge. So Reuben Foster is now getting top five talk. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Where is he break on the all-time saving discussion for linebackers? All right, so I, we got into this a little bit earlier, and then I, I said that I went back and I watched a bunch of games. I, I'm falling in love with Reuben Foster all over again. And here's what I've seen in his time here. He came in as probably... As far as all the line, the great linebackers we've had, he was the most hyped recruit. Five star. Uh, the other one, most of the other ones were four stars. He's this five star. Comes in, hits like a cannon. But remember, freshman year, we couldn't even trust him on defense. He was special teams only. He was a hammer, but he had terrible technique. Um, right. And then his sophomore year, he would come in a little bit. That was last year. He'd come in. He would spell Ragland a lot. And uh, he he would make some plays, but he wasn't really the guy we looked at. We looked at Ragland. This year, watching these games, he is all over the place. He's always on the field. And he looks like a complete linebacker. He covers well. I used to hate his coverage skills. He covers well. And he's amazing in run defense. He blow And he things he does off the ball when he blows up other blocks and opens up other lanes with blowing... He, he's, he is a complete linebacker. He is no longer one-dimensional, and I love that. So now I'm struggling. I think he's past Ragland as far as his level of play right now. At Ragland's best and his best. 
you got to think about Rolando McLean, Hightower, and Mosley. Where is he in, in there? He's near them. What about Courtney Upshaw? I was going kind of going middle linebackers here, but Upshaw, I guess you could throw in there too. I think Rolando McLean, as far as play on the field, I mean, if you're going middle linebackers, you're, you're completely forgetting the fact that C.J. Mosley was an outside linebacker for two That's years. That's true, and then he, then he moved inside. We'll, we'll throw Upshaw in there. But So if we're going on that list, would you say Rolando McLean would be one on that list? No. Who'd you put one? I would put Rolando McLean at one. Is, is that what I just said? Uh, I believe you did. Uh, yeah. Row at one. I, I go Rolando at one. I'm not sure we're going to see another defensive player like Rolando McLean. And those of you who are listening saying bullshit, go watch Yeah, Rolando go back. McClain I wasn't even really an Alabama fan yet, and I knew how well he was playing that 2009 season. It was, it was unbelievable. I've never felt more comfortable with a linebacker back in our backfield. When I talk about quarterbacking the defense, he was the original guy. They used to say that he was, like, saving out on the defensive side of the ball. Like, he was, like, saving through a helmet on. He just knew what the audibles were going to be. He knew what to call. He knew what the play was. He knew where to run. He knew who to cover if there was broken coverage. It's unbelievable. He's just he's just marred um, his his um his NFL career through his own mistakes. But the talent has always been. He's actually had good seasons with the Raiders too. Anyway, I I think once you get past him and that level of play that we're just kind of forgetting because it was now, heck, seven eight years ago. I go, Rolando McLean, Dante Hightower. Uh, Reuben Foster, Courtney Upshaw, I guess CJ Mo. There's just so many. Big You're splitting ones for hairs it. once you get to that point. But but the article you I are. read about about Foster right now, and you can take an article on the internet for what it's worth. But it it perked my eyes, I should say, up ears up, is that he's he's playing at or near a Patrick Willis and a Luke Keekley level. That's how yeah. that's how much he does. Not just tackles and stats, but what he does play by play by play on this defense. And I would, I, it, it caught me off guard. I was like, yeah, he's a great middle linebacker. But I hadn't even considered all this. I just kind of, I've been ball watching lately. Right. Right. It's, it's the plays where he doesn't make a stat that you need to watch with Ruben Foster. And that's really the, when you brought up him and Tim Williams. Tim Williams is elite at pass rushing. And he's fine. At, yeah. I guess he's fine in run defense, but you don't really. We usually have uh, Ryan Anderson in his spot when we think they're running the ball because Ryan Anderson is awesome against the run. Right, and Rashawn Evans. Yes. Oh, I want to see. I want to see Evans. I just want to see a lot of Evans, man. I want to see more Evans. I do too. Uh, this. I do too. The next discussion. I try. I, <laughs> it took me like twenty minutes to type this up because I wanted to make it as fun as possible. Pick a combo. Have you Have you looked over this yet? I, I have. I have. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure this is a fair game to play. Well, I took the top, other than Tyrone Prother on this list, I took the top four um, quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. I had to throw Prother in there because he's a little bit more game-breaking than some of the other ones once you get past Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. And I tried to kind of mix and match them, and I said pick a if you had to pick one. So I had a... Uh, A.J. McCarron, Eddie Lacy, Calvin Ridley, Jalen Hurts, Trent Richardson, Amari Cooper, Blake Sims, Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, or Jake Coker, Mark Ingram, Tyron Prothrow. Sims, Henry Jones. I cannot believe you're going to pick the same exact one as me. 
uh, how do you argue any of the other guys? If, okay, well, yeah, it, it's splitting hairs because I tried to rank quarterbacks from one to four. In one of these groups, you have a guy who set the passing record at Alabama alongside a Heisman winner alongside the greatest wide receiver to play in an Alabama uniform. How do you pick any of the other groups? That's, good, that's a good question. You know, would I, you I go, think would you have put, gone with different combinations? Yes, I would have gone Hurts, Richardson, Jones. And that would have made this more, because then you don't have yeah, yeah, let's honest, let's honestly, let's do Jones. If you If you okay. move Jones to here... Uh, so we're replacing Amari Cooper, Trent Richardson, Jalen Hurts, and we're putting Julio Jones with Cooper. Um, sorry, with, with Blake Sims and Derrick Henry. What did I just do? Now it's interesting. Um, Cooper. This is a great question. I, I commend you because you're an excellent podcast partner because this is the kind of stuff that we need. Um, All right, so now that we've discussed this, we should have discussed this before we started talking, but we'll, I'll, I'll go over the groups again. A.J. McCarron. Eddie Lacy, Calvin Ridley, Jalen Hurts, Trent Richardson. So basically you're just putting Calvin Ridley on that 2012 team. Blake Sims, Derrick Henry, Amari Cooper, Jake Coker, Mark Ingram, Tyrone Prothrow. Jake Coker just hurts that group so much. I'm not going that group. Yeah, and that's why I threw Mark Ingram on there for you, because I thought that's the, the name that would stick out to you as the top name in the entire list. All right, I, you know how much I love Mark Ingram. He's my favorite Alabama player of all time, and I've seen a lot of them. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not, I can't go that group. McCarron, Lacey, and Ridley. McCarron being pound for pound the best quarterback we've had at Alabama. Eddie Lacey being a highly underrated asset that just didn't have the hype going in the seasons like Richardson and Henry had. And then Ridley, who has shown that he'll probably one of the greats by the time he leaves. I've got to go Hurts, Richardson, and Jones. I'm still sticking. I'm just going to stick with uh, Sims, Henry, Cooper. That's a great one. Um, But I think about that, and I think about Cooper's down year, and I can't think of a time in Julio Jones' career where he had a down year. I mean, guys used to get up and celebrate because they tackled Julio Jones. This is so hard because I just remember now, I tried to mix up players that didn't play together, and th- the reason I kept Sims and Cooper separate is because that's the group that broke records. And I think once you throw that group together that broke the records with a Derrick Henry, his senior season, or junior season, I don't know. Let us know on... Well, well let us know. Let us know on Instagram and yeah. Facebook and Twitter. Not Instagram. We don't yeah. really need to know from that, actually. No. <laughs> don't let us know um, on Instagram. We, we don't care about Instagram. If, you, if you're talking about combo groups, too, I think you got to keep in mind that McCarron and Lacey are a combo group. Yeah, that's true. But McCarron played with three of the running backs on here. Yeah, loosely. He actually played with Henry, too, if we're being, um, if we're being honest. Yeah, he loosely played with did, Ingram, but... Did he? Yeah, he was like, on did, teams did with, with all th- four of these running backs. Anyway... Uh, it's that we don't want to beat a dead horse with that one. We're going to move on to uh, very quickly. We're at, actually, uh, we're about 40 minutes on the podcast. We'll very quickly go through the games last week. Um, the game of the year so far. I'm calling it the game of the year. <laughs> I, cu- I, didn't, I didn't even realize this oh score. Oh, my God, this score. I didn't even realize this score, this score until painful. I went back and looked. Colorado 10, was... Stanford 5. 
the most high-scoring baseball game in the college football season so far. The the Rockies beat the Giants ten to five. What happened to Stanford to Christian McCaffrey? It's the entire Stanford team. Um, I know I know that a lot of the talk from Stanford fans is you know I get read pretty much everything from Reddit if I'm not reading it on SI or ESPN or something like that. The Stanford fans on Reddit are crediting this to an offensive line that is nowhere near what it was last year, which makes sense. I mean, the talent is... he's ob- McCaffrey's obviously talented, but the offense, I guess, has had to change so much, and he never was somebody that scored a lot of touchdowns. To where if you don't have a line, he's not getting open holes, and that's what the, that's what the difference is. My boys at Purdue almost sneak up and grab the Cornhuskers. They're just... They're so close, those Boilermakers. They really are. They're, they're just right on the cusp every week of winning. And by God, they're going to do it next year. I think, they, I think they'll make the playoff next year for sure. I think they've still got an outside chance this year too, if I'm going to be honest. Purdue could still make the playoff. Mathematically, yes. Auburn thumps Arkansas 56-3. to See, I've been excited to talk to you about this game. Why? Every week I say Auburn's playing kind of – they're playing pretty good football, and you go, stop. You Stop. can't argue with a 56-3 score. You just can't. No, you can't. You're right, and I'm tired of it. I don't like seeing them be good Can either. we be done with this talk yet? No, no. I mean, honestly, honestly, what, what do we have in this Auburn team right now? I, we have a team that still doesn't have a quarterback, Patrick. Please convince me that Sean White is a good quarterback and watch his game. I don't have to convince they... you that he's a good quarterback, essentially, when they run for 583 yards and SEC record. Sorry, I'm just... I, they didn't have a great quarterback when they went to the national championship. I'm talking about Nick Marshall. And they they lost Yeah, it, but they won. Right? They won. Okay. Yeah, they, but... And they needed kick six to go. I mean, we're not going to pretend like that was a bad Auburn team, are we? They're a good Auburn team. I'm just saying. I'm no, not saying that Auburn's I'm not, great. I'm not... I want to know how... What do we think they are? Obviously, they don't suck like we both thought at the beginning of the year. They're not great. I don't know if they're good still, but... I think a I don't know if they're good either, and good. I don't know how you can look at Sean White playing football and say, oh, that's a good offense. Brick, they threw the ball 11 times the other night. If you think they're going to run for over 500 yards against Alabama, you're an idiot. I, did I say that? No. I'm not, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling out other people on ESPN. That was directed at people like Kirk Herbstreit that are saying that Auburn's run offense is No, no, no. Great, I'm not ready powerful. to say that Auburn's going to go undefeated the rest of the way and be a two-loss team in the playoff. Um, there's less fog in that scenario, but I don't think they beat Alabama at Alabama. I'm not going that far, but it, it, that that game has you know has there's a, there's I'm not a red sure they beat Ole Miss right next now. week. I don't know if they do either, but I think the question because yeah they threw the ball eleven times, but honestly I would love it if Alabama threw it eleven times and ran for five eighty three. I think Alabama would run for more than five eighty three if they ran the ball. Or if they threw the ball 11 times. A turning point, well, yeah, I mean, maybe. But that is still, no matter what way you slice it, an SEC record. Um, yeah. They, they, they've they slowly been getting better every week. I'm not going to take them in the playoff, but you have to at least look. look they good. looked great. They looked great, and that's awesome. But I just, I'm still just not convinced they're a good football team. They've played great football. Well, they played good football. They played. They played a good game. Um, What's their other good game other than that? 
and they they absolutely throttle Mississippi State as well. Oh, ooh. but all you could—I mean, they, they can only play the games that they're playing. You can't no, penalize no, them Brick, for playing you're right. Mississippi State. Brick, you're right. They beat Mississippi State. You're no, right. No, they played well you against Mississippi. Careful. There's a difference between beating a team and playing a good game and beating a bad team and playing a bad game at the same time. I'll give credit where credit's due. When they play well, I'll say they play well. I'm not afraid to do hey, that. Hey, I just did the same thing. They played fine. Yes, they, they played a they played a great game. They had a lot of rush yards. I don't I don't like to underestimate opponents. If Auburn's playing well, then yeah, they're playing well. We better be awake. That's yeah, the question. I agree with That's you. the question. I agree with Should you. Should our ears but be perking if... up? Because week one, we didn't even give a crap about the Iron. I mean, other than the fact that it's the Iron Bowl. So what? Auburn's terrible. They're not terrible. Yeah. Auburn is definitely not terrible. No, they're far from it. But I'm still not. I, I'm still worried about LSU much more than I am Auburn. Well, that because it's a much night game. More. Yes, I'm with you there. But you, I can, I can see a scenario where Auburn sneaks up on us. Yes, I can too. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that have got to go wrong for Alabama for that to happen. A lot of things. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. What's Auburn? What is Auburn's defense really good at? Uh, uh, they've been pretty good at everything, but pass. I mean, they're good. What they're giving up like nine nine points a game right now. Yeah. And they're really good at what? Pass rush. Okay. And what in, have you and I been saying we need to do to succeed all year? Run the football. But they've also been great against the run. Yeah, they have. But I, I still, I, I'm just, I'm not convinced. That's what I'm saying. I think they're a, a, a borderline good team. I need to see more out of them. Because that beginning of the season was so bad. So bad. I'm just glad. Now, if they come out, if they come out and crush Ole Miss, I'll be on the same page with you. I promise. I'm glad they I lost promise. two games while they were playing terrible. I would have hated for them to escape another game and only and only have lost one game because then they'd be a threat in the playoff. Right. Which I guess they essentially, if they went out and look impressive doing it, are. I don't think they will, but yeah. Let's get off this horrible topic. Ole Miss and LSU. Good Lord, Leonard Fournette. We talked about it, but good Lord, man. 17.8 yards per carry. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's setting records left and right. It's like, where has this been? He was. He's been hurt. He came back. They were trying to say he wasn't even 100. percent I don't know. Want to? I don't want to know what a 100 percent does against Ole Miss. Then uh, LSU's played great football ever since they got rid of um, of of Les Miles. And if we're going to talk about Auburn playing bad at the beginning of the year, LSU was worse, and they've turned it yes. around too. Yeah, they don't um, have a good quarterback though. They're the same thing. They do. They're very. They don't have a good Auburn, quarterback. Essentially, they don't have a good quarterback, and their coach was on the hot seat and is now gone. Does that sound familiar? It does to me. Yep. Because look, I mean, we can talk about how good Auburn's playing. Fact of the matter is, if they lose to us and drop one more game, Gus Malzahn's on the hot seat hard. I mean, that is a that is a that's no longer a lukewarm seat. Yeah, he's safe for now, but there's still a lot of football left to be played. A lot of football left. Ohio State and Penn State. Hey, listen to this. Urban Meyer goes on the road, loses in bad weather. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> that game was a mirror image of last year. It was awful. The play calling, clock management, it was just terrible. How is it? And I said the same damn thing about Ezekiel Elliott last year. How is it that Curtis Samuel, one who's been one of the best running backs in the country this year, 
gets two, what two carries? It was awful. It was it was poor. Now they still control their own destiny. Essentially, yes. You win out in your Ohio State. How do you not put Ohio State in the playoffs? That's 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 the Alabama perk they get to. If we lose one, we can still drop a game and win out, and we'll still probably be in the playoff. Right. I, I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that this game is is not bigger than most people realize, but I, I think we're going to look back at this game, maybe not just this year, maybe next year, and say, oh, God, this was really, really bad for Ohio State. Big win for Penn State in that program as well. Curtis though. Samuel, two carries, 71 yards. How is it that JT Barrett has 17 carries for 26 yards? Curtis Samuel has two for 71 and a touchdown. Urban Meyer can't play in weather. Why is JT Barrett throwing the ball 43 times? I don't know. Maybe Lane Kiffin's their offensive coordinator. They could, if they could run the exact same offense as us and be fine. But they don't. I don't know what it is. It's like they look like they're scorched earth Ohio State, and then they come out and they underestimate an opponent like they did against Michigan State last year. I right. like seeing it, though. I'm not complaining. I hate Urban Meyer. Let's let's move on. Let's move on to the pick'em. Anything you want to say about last week? Uh, nah. Let's move on to our pick'em. Penn State at Purdue. Well, yeah, we already, we Go already... ahead and please, please insult my boys with the Boilermakers. I can't give you one reason Purdue might lose this game. I can't either. They've got the Heisman winner at quarterback. I mean, let's just go ahead and give them the trophy. They've got a coach who's fired up and ready to go. I'm going Purdue 180, Penn State 4. You're, yeah, I would go. I would say that, yes. It's a little I, low I, on I the just, score, think, but yeah. <clears throat> I think that's the only I think that's the only possible score line. Baylor at Texas. You're going with the with the brick upset special. This is here. the upset the this brick is, house pizza. This is, this is my upset of the week. I I don't know why. I just don't know why. There's too many people hating on Charlie Strong, and every time it reaches a certain level, he does something weird. You know what I mean? Like every yeah. the, Texas fans always seem to hate him. You know him. what's funny and then it is like a boiling I think, point and he upsets a team. I think that Baylor could win out and still not make the playoff, and I think that would infuriate Baylor, which I love. Yeah, actually, that'd be the whole, most that'd be the funniest thing in the world. Or Baylor makes it all the way to the championship game and then loses like seven to three, just because they constantly brag about their offense. Um, I recently have somebody at work. The only reason I put this Florida Georgia game on here, I've got a Florida fan at work that listens to this podcast now. Huge Florida all fan. Right. Shout out! Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, and uh, I bet we both think you're going to win this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't see a way where Florida doesn't win this game. Georgia's such a dumpster fire. It's one of those where you just close the lid and walk off and hope it doesn't burn down the apartment next to the dumpster. I mean, I Georgia is bad. Yeah, no, they they've got they've Let's got call almost it nothing like it is. Georgia right is bad at football. Um so I, I think I think Florida wins this game. I think if Florida doesn't win this game, they've got some serious questions to answer. Um, seven and one Utah uh, at home against undefeated Washington. Not worried about it. Washington's going to roll right over Utah. Yeah, I'm feeling Washington pretty good right now, too. Um, Nebraska at Wisconsin. This is another uh, highly ranked matchup. Nebraska's still I'm going to go Wisconsin here. I'm, I'm going Wisconsin. Me too. That defense um, is, it is bona fide. Bona fide, and I, I think that Wisconsin plays really, really well at home this season. Really well at home. 
uh, Auburn at Ole Miss. I really want to pick Ole Miss, but I feel like Auburn's got more to play for right now, and I feel like Ole Miss 100% doesn't, and we kind of saw that in the second half last week. But I also feel like this could be one of those weird, trippy Ole Miss games where for no reason at all they, you know, have 600 yards of offense and Chad Kelly throws for five Exactly. Games. I think Chad Kelly's going to try to press the issue for the rest of the season and solidify himself a top pick in the NFL draft, but I don't like him pressing the issue against uh, what I've seen from that defense. I love him pressing the issue against some bad defenses, like Mississippi State I also State don't later. like thinking about Sean White trying to play against that defensive line at Ole Miss. No, they're going to run... Outside, outside, uh, you, you know that. The, I hate the way their offense looks. I hate watching their games. It's so dumb. I do too. It is. They run uh, the ball, but they run it like pansies. Let's go Clemson at FSU. I'll be at this game. Um, boy. I'm very excited to see Deshaun Watson in person. You know you right. know, I'm a closet, not a closet, but a, you know, a, a, a part-time FSU fan. I think it's a two-score, three-score win for Clemson. I'm going to go. I, I'm I going agree. to this game to go watch Deshaun Watson. I, I hate to say it because I like I like my Knowles, but I still think that defense is soft, man. Their last game, people forget. You know they haven't lost since North Carolina, and that's fine. But their last game, they beat Wake Forest 17-6. Now you're going to tell me they're ready to go up against Clemson? I work with a lot of FSU no. fans. They're not ready to go up against Clemson. They're that. not. I'm not going to tell you that because they're not. And I get it. You they're can tell me that Clemson should have lost to Troy. That's fine. You can tell me the Clemson definitely should have lost to NC State. All it was was a 33-yard field goal right down the middle at the end of regulation they missed. But FSU still got two losses. Clemson's got none, and they're not ready to face this. This is a rivalry game. They're not going. Clemson's not going to lay an egg in a rivalry game. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Deshaun Watson's really going to flex his muscles this game. I said he would do it against NC State, and he didn't. I really think he's going to do it against Florida this State. This is a primetime game, ABC. 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock kickoff. Um, this is when he plays his best game, and he's going to put himself right back in the Heisman conversation this week. And no, I'm ready to watch it in I person. I wasn't going to go that far. I, I spoke with a girl tonight, uh, a Clemson grad, um, who was very impressed with uh, Deshaun Watson, referring to him as Black Jesus. <laughs> he's in that 4-6 to six voting range right now. His team's still undefeated, but it's still only October. Not sure if I would relate him to the Lord and Savior, but he is pretty. We good don't do at that football. on this podcast. Not on this happy podcast. Uh, college football polls come out next week. Who you got? I think. Remember, there's always a little surprise in there, right? I don't think we're going to see a big surprise this next week. Uh, Alabama, I think, is a lock at number one. I think the the, the pollsters are going to vote Alabama, Michigan two, Washington three, Clemson four. Okay. I'm going to go Bama 1, I'm going to go Washington 2, Michigan 3, Purdue 4. Just Colorado kidding. Clemson one. 4. I'm just, I'm switching, Wash- <laughs> I'm switching Washington and Michigan. Um, I, I think that uh, people sort of forget how much people love the West Coast. Voters really love the West what Coast. What is the West Coast? Um what do you mean, what is the West Coast? The Pac-12 conference. No, what I'm saying is that people, we're East Coast bias over here on our East Coast. And they always right. say that we don't know what that is. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think it matters at this point. If you get in the playoff, you get in the playoff. It doesn't matter what your seed is. It doesn't. If you're one of the four best teams, you have a right to argue that you should be number one. You're right. You're right. Uh, that's good. Um, anything you want to have as a sound off this week? 
I'm pretty pleased this week. I'm actually good. All right, I'll have one. It's very short. It's about Halloween. Oh, boy. <sighs> All right. Wearing a headband with cat ears on it, going cat claws in the Instagram picture, and a black tank top and black shorts is not a Halloween oh, costume. God. It just isn't. That's not a cat. All you did was wear a headband with dark clothing. You're not a cat. I, I, I can appreciate that, though, because then you're not – you're recognizing that you're an adult. You're saying, okay, I'm not getting fully dressed up. It's like, it reminds me, I, I was talking to people tonight, it reminds me of The Office, Three Hole Punch Jim. Like, that's one of my favorite, like, just no effort. Just none. But you're still getting dressed up. What are you? I'm Three Hole Punch Jim. Never explain it. Don't go any further into detail, that's what you need to say. For those of you who don't watch The Office, there's a character who puts three pieces of black construction paper on the left side of his shirt and calls himself Three Hole Punch Jim. I like Halloween. I don't go all out. I go a creative costume, doesn't take a lot of effort, definitely doesn't cost a lot of money. Uh, my wife and I have fun with it, and uh, we usually are you know, either hosting a party like we did uh, one time in college, before we actually met you, by the way, or, um, or you know, we always try to find one that's good. So, I'm... I'll probably go uh, with Purdue, Purdue's next head coach. <laughs> Just go, buy a Purdue hat year. and put it on, say you're Purdue's next head coach. Um, I honestly might do that's that. That's hilarious. Uh, I am. It depends on how quickly I can get my hands on a Purdue cat. My wife is going as, and tell me if you get this right when I say it. She's going as Mihoi Minoy. No. Uh, you know Doodle Bob from SpongeBob. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Got you. I am going. I'm gonna see if you get it from the uh, from the quote. Look at the hat. I am Mrs. Nesbit. Oh God! What is that? Toy Story. You know when when, uh, when oh, Buzz Lightyear loses his that's arm great. and his puts on Dude, the apron. That's good. I'll tell you what I just did at Walmart. So <laughs> I already have a um, essentially uh, from from various things. I already have essentially a Buzz Lightyear costume and inflatable wings because I've done something of this magnitude before, but I'm changing it now. I saw a child's Finding Dory bowl for a baby. It's the perfect size and color to be the little hat that Buzz Lightyear wears. I get a white flower and one of my wife's um, pink aprons. I throw that on, and all of a sudden I'm Mrs. Nesbitt. I love yeah. it. And it didn't take a lot of effort. That's great. That's great. I, you know, I, uh, I went as Buzz Lightyear one Did year. Did you? My dad, my dad created a helmet from a salad bowl. <laughs> yes. Uh, because he is a superhero. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world until I put the helmet on and it smelled like salad and it creeped me out. <laughs> Rob one is Woody. That's a good one. Yeah, Rob, of course, was Woody. I was Woody one year when um, I was a kid. Um, so just the, I, I, feel the like, cat, I feel like my brother not perpetually a, a has a snake in his boot. There's a snake in my boot. The, the cat is, I not feel like, an, is not, is not, is not, is not. It just isn't. I, I don't mind it. It's always the girl I, that's the cat. Yeah, but uh, like I said, it's three hole punch gem. No, but and see, there's a difference there. The girl thinks she's being cute and creative and is posing with it, and putting in- up Instagram things that says "I'm not kitten." But you're really upset about three hole punch gem. There's an apathy there. 
That's why Three Hole Punch Jim is funny and works. There was also the year he did Facebook. Facebook was good. There was also the year that he said he was going as Dave, and he just wore a name tag that said, My name is Dave. And then there was the year that I can relate to where his wife really wanted him to dress up as Popeye with her. And he did because he loves her. And that's why I like Halloween with my wife. I was a full-on-out Captain Hook last year when we went to Disney. I remember that. And I wore a very hot wig, and I committed to that costume. Good for you. Alright, that's, that's I it. I want to do the social media stuff because I don't... Uh, you can find us on PatsInterference.com. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us um, on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. And uh, and if you request us on LinkedIn, we'll send you the podcast. How was that? I like How was it. That? You're, you're a little like bit it. better at it that's than perfect. me, but I got it. I got through it. That's perfect. I was, I was going to go with you can open up an old... A poem book, an old poetry book, and you can see the transcript of the podcast. Alright, good episode. Go to your local library. Glad you woke up. Everybody Glad have we a could good do week. this. Be safe on Halloween. Couldn't do this without you. We love you. Thanks for listening. And most importantly, Brick. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs>